This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked me not to read an ad, so I'm just going to thank them for their constant friendship and support. Enjoy the show. I do my head toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Hello, welcome to MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is my friend, Nico Carter, and he talked to me about his love of breath. And if that sounds to you like he just loves the idea that he gets to breathe and live, that's a decent assessment of what our conversation was, but a pretty much inaccurate one. Mostly he talked about the idea of breath in, in terms of mindfulness, in terms of uh, zen and reaching and awareness of what where you are in space, the things that are happening around you, and using that uh as a way to be more in touch when performing improv and not just improv comedy which is probably the most interesting part of this conversation nico is essentially a classically trained uh pianist and uh was introduced to the idea of improv first via music and other creative endeavors and came to improv comedy kind of by accident as he'll tell you uh so this was a super interesting conversation We definitely get uh, a little deep in terms of um, talking about uh, improv in general as an art and as a a comedic art. But I think it maintained itself as a a really interesting perspective on those things. I don't really have any plugs except that uh, you can come to the Annoyance Theater on Thursday nights at 9.30 to see a good improv show called The Fish Bowl. I should have a, uh, a little bevy of interesting conversations to release in the coming few weeks. Uh, it remains to be seen in my current place aboard a cruise ship with some cool performers and other personalities that I hope to have conversations with that will be released throughout the next couple weeks. But until then... Enjoy this, and enjoy all the other podcasts that are in the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. Cooking with gasoline, as my Uh, dad would say. Oh, cook gasoline. (laughs) 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 That's adorable. (laughs) Ooh, dad, no. (laughs) Bad idea. No, guess, no. (laughs) I should say, as my dad used to say. Oh, okay. No, no, I'm just <laughs> I was like, oh, I see. Oh, that was a joke. That was such a good joke. Oh, that was a joke. That's how you know it was a good one. <laughs> I'm going to roll right on in. Um, my guest today is Nico Carter, and he's going to talk to me about breath. <gasps> breath. And. I want you, Nico, to tell me about the origin of your love for this topic as described to me. Ah, uh, I think it started, um, I think I know the year it started. It was in mm. 2008. Okay. Um, and I was uh, coming off the heels of kind of a... A, a, a lengthy depression that I'd experienced from the from my from my second semester, a freshman year through the summer. Okay. Um, over which time I had had two lung collapses. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was not fun. So w- it was just like medically, like it was what was the what was the ish? Well, you know, it's funny because they have they say it's because if you they, this is what they say. They, so first, it's called spontane- spontaneous pneumothorax. Nemothorax? Nemothorax, yeah. Which kind of, it sounds like kind of like a, a, a villain from like Power Rangers or something, right? <laughs> For sure. Um, but it's... It, Transformers. Transformers, right? Yeah. And uh, it, 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 what, ha- what they say it is if you're really tall and you have, and you're skinny, then your lungs sometimes will form in this weird way to where they have kind of weak structural points. Whoa. And so they call them blebs or bleebs. And so these points can basically just kind of rupture, at, 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 you know, depending on how you're exerting yourself. So the first time, I was just playing ping pong. <gasps> yeah. And I just, you know, did one swing and, and it just, you know, I started Something feeling this pain in my you... back. And, you know, I'm, I mean, you know. I, I, Were you like short of breath or? 
Not right away. It was initially as it deflated. I think it was just kind of. It's more of you just feel the kind of nerve endings are exposed in your lung. Whoa! Uh, as the lung, you know, the lung's basically like a balloon mm-hmm. in this, you know, in, in in the lung cavity, and it's usually pressed against the wall of your lung cavity and kind of inflates and deflates with the the movement of your ribs and everything. And when you get this hole, uh, air will fill the cavity and push the balloon down. Oh wow! So what you get is these exposed nerve endings. So you'll get pain. Really, I got pain. Really Really mostly in my back. I didn't. So it's not really related to your lung. You it wouldn't. You had no idea. You, you thought you like know. pulled a muscle or something. Probably. Literally, I thought oh. I. Had, I thought I had. Um, I was getting muscle cramps. Yeah. Because I wasn't the most athletic dude in the world. <laughs> And you know, and, and you're probably like dehydrated because you're in exactly. College. I was like, I'm dehydrated. <laughs> I'm high as hell, and like, yeah. I, just, I just got my first muscle cramps. Right. Yeah. And so for the next two days, I didn't go to the hospital, and I just mm. walked around, and I, I was like, uh, you know, I was like, you know, sulking along and basically dragging my body from class to class. God. Finally, my friend um, David, who was in a co-op with me, uh, he was I like, thought you were gonna say he was in a coma. He was in a coma. He came out, and he was like, Nico, I just dreamt. No, <laughs> He <laughs> he was in a co-op with you. He was he was in a co-op with me, and he and and he he called his mom, who's a nurse, because he was like, "Dude, this seems like kind of sketch." And she was That's like, "Well, so it's either something with his heart at this point, since it's been the, a, couple the, the, a couple days, yeah, There's something with his heart or with his lungs, he does need to go to the hospital." So I went there, and they were like, "Yeah, you had a lung collapse." <gasps> at this point, though, your lungs inflated enough to where there's nothing we'll do at this point. Oh, wow. So that was my first one. So your body just kind of like had to fix itself. Yes, exactly. The the bleep kind of covered up, healed, and then slowly over time. Stopped air, bleeding. You stopped bleeding. <laughs> and uh, never stopped bleeding, by the way. Um, <laughs> and it uh, it slowly reinflated itself. The, the air got absorbed into my blood. And so over time, I was back to normal. Um, wow. Second time I had surgery, I had like a laparoscopic Mm -hmm. surgery. They went in, they took the bleeps out, and uh, yeah, I haven't had any issues since, which is nice. So did you go, the second time it happened, were you like, well, this feels exactly like the last one did, so I have to go to the hospital. Totally. And actually, in fact, I'd gone to the hospital twice in the interim because I was kind of in this weird paranoid. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be? Yeah. Yeah. And so I- It's like when you hear your lung collapsed, (laughs) it's not- it the most out comforting of feelings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was at my uncle's cabin. You know, my uncle's. Uh, sorry, my uncle's um, uh, um, restaurant, gas station, uh, Golden Pond. It was in Golden Pond, uh, New Hampshire, and um, yeah, I, it was. I pretty much realized pretty quickly, but I was like, kind of a little. You know, I was, I was, I was like, let me just wait a couple minutes. Sure. Make sure that this is what it is before I kind of tell anybody because my uncle's gonna freak out, and he ended up taking me to to the hospital, and uh, Dang. yeah, the rest is history. That is so. You would say that after that, you became more aware of this in your body. Yeah, totally, totally. What started you down the journey of like? really focusing on it uh, after that well i would say i um i would say it was it was it was years from that point i mean the 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 truth is that that you know uh, i met somebody named robin eubanks mm-hmm. um a little bit after i'd had a, a a lung collapse uh my first lung collapse and it was on um cinco de mayo <laughs> and i was at this mexican place in in uh in overland and he was there, and we kind of just struck up a conversation. He was like, "Hey, you should come study with me." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, sure." You know, looked him up. He was this—he's this amazing jazz trombonist. I was like, "Yeah, this is gonna be perfect for me." You know, so I started getting to improv. You know, he was, and we were just kind of talking about improv and and, and such. And and breath started kind of taking on where more it relates for me. to jazz theory. To jazz theory, yeah, and specifically for Robin. I mean, Robin himself. I mean, he really does view it as being all encompassing. I mean, he's one of you know, it's kind of a cliche I think that people kind of say, but it's like we're always improvising. Right? Yes. Um, uh, you know, and it's one of those cliches that is, I, I would say is pretty accurate. And for me at the time, it was very, it was kind of eye opening. Um, cool. and, uh, and yeah, but then breath kind of became more important as I was kind of later on when I was in Chicago, especially it became super important. Uh, when I started um, doing Meisner work. Whoa, cool. Um, yeah, so when I started studying at Black Box with Connor Woods is when it kind of really started to coalesce into this, uh, into, into this theoretical framework, essentially. That's amazing. I had no idea that you were this steeped in theory. Like you said, like when we were trying to settle on a topic, 
um, you're like, I don't know if it's just really theory. And <laughs> you you basically just rattled off like three different types of theory, like music theory and acting theory. And you really are. It's all kind of encompassed here. I love so theory. I'm glad we landed on this. Yeah. Do you come from a really uh, like what about this uh, jazz trombonist, this Robin Eubanks guy? Yeah. Um, drew you to him in the first place. Like, do you come from a really uh, music background? Is that what you were studying? Yeah. So I was at Oberlin Conservatory studying uh, music composition. Awesome. And so, you know, I, I basically, when I was a sophomore in high school, I started getting, I, I started playing piano and I started getting really into it and obsessed and, uh, and it led me to Oberlin, uh, which, which was amazing. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was music. That's awesome. Yeah. So did you do you did you play the trombone or was he more just like a like a music guide and not necessarily like an instrumental guide? Does that make yeah, sense? no, totally. Um, I don't play trombone. I do have one uh-huh. um, now, but I didn't at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, and I played piano, and so it was kind of this, you know, uh, interesting situation where you know he was kind of giving me you know songs to learn the solos from, and cool. we would kind of just jam out in his. That's so office. fun. Yeah, I, that was, was going to be my next question. Was like, so what would it look like when you guys met? Lots of talking and mm-hmm. then just some playing. And I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty interesting. I mean, for me at the time, it was very eye opening to have this guy who's like, you know, been doing just, he, he, this guy really touches on, he does a lot of different types of um, jazz. Cool. And so we were doing a lot of really interesting kind of free experimental stuff. And it was, it was very different and, and fun. And, and, uh, uh, yeah, it felt, it felt really cool. Does, I mean, I'm sure for him, the breath stuff is imperative, like with the wind instruments and breath control yeah. and especially jazz. I would think that would be like a borderline obsessive, like thought process. Yeah, totally. I mean, if, you know, it's kind of interesting how these guys view Im- improvisation. I mean, truly, because, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, coming from the perspective that I think a lot of people in Chicago do, which mm-hmm. is, you know, comedic improv, mm-hmm. which is a really a relative newcomer to the art of improvisation. Right. This, mm-hmm. this idea, this this particular type herald. Um, yes, ending, you know, all these kind of these kind of concepts. Um, but I yeah, th- all in the last like 25, 30 years. Totally. And, and, you know, I think a lot of these a lot of jazz musicians, you know, certainly Robin Eubanks and, um, you know, some of the other people that I that I worked with or spoke with over at, you know, at Oberlin. Um, it's it's very it, it has a big spiritual dimension for them, you know, and it's very much a, a life philosophy, which I think it is also in Chicago. Um, uh, but you know, like Robin had given me uh, the book uh, Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now, and you know, oh yeah, like, I yeah. talked when Win Evans did the podcast. We oh, talked great. a little bit about he just talked about like general well being, um, and we definitely like got there at some point. I'm sure you guys have talked about stuff like that before do you know when i do know yeah, when. yeah i love when yeah, yeah i feel like you guys could have a, a ball oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's such a great guy i love him yeah uh yeah and he totally brought up that i think it was a similar thing too where he kind of had a mentor who recommended that book to him so it must be a good like entry point it's a great entry point the power of now the power of now um yeah and you read through that read through that Fucking loved it. Yeah. Can I curse on this? You can say whatever the okay. fuck you want. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, yeah. It was it was pretty it was pretty I mean that that was kind of the beginning you know again this and kind of goes back to the beginning of that kind of you know pat- pattern of thought or that approach and and yeah it was it was very formulative and uh, formative. and it, it makes a lot of sense especially and. Uh, not to like, I mean, we he spoke about this freely when he did the show, and uh, you just mentioned it when we originally kind of started covering the topic that uh, depression was like a big presence in his life, and that was a big thing that he was trying to combat with things like this. So it's interesting that you feel like it kind of came to you in a similar way, too. Absolutely. Do you feel like the medical stuff was like a part of that, or do you think like bec- the anxiety of it was kind of tied to it? Yeah, it's hard to separate, isn't it? You yeah, know, it's kind of. I, I, I think that the, it was a lot of things. I mean, I think that my family was kind of, you know, dealing with some anxiety within the family structure. I mean, my mom was kind of was incredibly overworked, mm-hmm. and she was having panic attacks at the time. Uh. And so it was kind of like, um, 
you know, uh, uh, it, it was just affecting all of us a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, obviously, the lung collapses were very stressful. Being in school, um, yeah, you know, being in college at this, you know, and then especially I, at a place like that, yeah. where I'm sure there was a lot of like performance pressure and. There is there there is there is a uh, there is a good deal. It's not as much as maybe like a New England conservatory, or like mm-hmm. you know some of these other places, but mm-hmm. um, but it's still uh, it's still there. And I th- I think also you know I, I didn't realize at the time, but I was kind of you know I was I mean well I was just exploring. I mean I, I yeah. kind of decided look I'm going to be a professor of composition. This is what I'm going to do. Cool. I'm going to do composition. I uh-huh. love writing music. And, you know, the only way to support myself is going to be to be a professor. And sure. A life. Yeah, of course. Um, but, you know, I think that actually, um, you know, there are some aspects of it that weren't a good fit, you know. Um, and so you're so kind that was, of like growing pains within the the world of this thing that you would like set off to do. Exactly. Yeah. And so it was kind of. Um, That's a really yeah. scary. That first like senior year into freshman year, like the first year or two of college. It's such a scary time, man. Because like you have this feeling that everything you're doing is going to affect the rest of your life. Had you had you decided your major when you kind of went into school? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was that? I was a chemistry major. Okay, gotcha. And oh, how far we have come. <laughs> do you do chemistry actually for your job? Is that? Yeah. Okay, so not very far at all. Oh uh, yeah, but like I don't want to be doing it anymore. Right. So it's you know it's a. Uh, like that's not necessarily true i like what i do and i like what it offers me but like if i like if i could choose i wouldn't be doing it anymore you know what i mean i know what you mean so for me it was just as much like uh like practical as it was anything else i mean i'd always been really interested in science and always thought i would go into science as a profession and uh got more scholarship money for declaring a science major as a freshman Mm. so that was part of it was like well let's just pull this trigger because i have a feeling that's what i'm gonna do anyway Mm -hmm. the chem department at my school was really good where'd you go uh Furman university in greenville south carolina gotcha yeah so yes and my that same semester that second semester freshman year was really hard because the first class i had in the chem department was a breeze because I had taken AP chemistry, but I hadn't like tested out of anything. So I was like, yes, I'm so good at this. And then <laughs> I got into like much harder chemistry and I was like, I am not as good at this as I thought. <laughs> that's, 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 I feel like that's such a familiar uh, yeah. story for people who kind of get into the sciences. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then like the first term of sophomore year, I had organic and it was really hard. And that's when people started like falling away from it because there were a lot of pre med people who didn't want to do chemistry and blah, blah, blah. And like the summer after my freshman year, I lived at home again. And I was like, oh no, I went from like total freedom to, being trapped in my house, you know? <laughs> totally, yeah. Uh, so it's just like a weird transitionary period. So I, I relate to that yeah. for sure. Yeah, Um. So I love the idea of you and Robin just jamming out, getting into improv. Mm-hmm. Was this the first, that was like the first experience you'd had with improv of you know, any kind? No, so I had taken, I had, t- I had, uh, um, Auditioned for the the uh, long for one of the long form teams. Oh, really? At Overland. Uh huh. In you know my first semester, but I had no fucking clue what it was. That's I literally so had no funny. idea. I, I saw a poster um, that said, "Do you think you're funny?" And then it had the address. It was like 101 Wilder, Whoa. and it was like 8 p.m. It was like that fucking day. And so I was, and I was and there with Parmesh. I was with my friend Parmesh, and I was uh-huh. like, "Dude, do you want to go to this?" Uh-huh. He was like, "What is it?" I was like, "I have no idea. Let's just go." That's so funny. And so I, I went there and did a bunch of improv exercises. It was like a whirlwind, and uh, ended up. Getting, I'm sure they had no concept of people coming in who did not know what they were doing. <laughs> I don't think they did. I yeah. mean, I think it was it was it was interesting. I mean, that you know, then I got a call back, and then there I think there was a second call back. I'm pretty Whoa, sure there were two. That's intense. And. Uh, and uh, and I got on the team, and I remember sitting down. I went. You made the team. I made the team. That's amazing. I, I went and I spoke with uh, Alex and Peter, who I, who were like the, the directors. I think they're co-directors. And I was like, so explain to me what it is that we do here. <laughs> and they were like, we. And they like tried a little bit. <laughs> like it was really difficult for them too, to like explain it to somebody who didn't really who have no any context. Concept like, of what you'll it was. see. You'll see what happens in a show. That's when you'll find out. Wow. 
And so that was, you know, so it was this thing that I was doing, but it was like once a week. It wasn't, it was a silly, fun thing that I was really enjoying. That's so funny. I had no context for it. And, and, you know, yeah. You just like totally happened into it. Totally happened into it. I love that. What was the name of y'all's team? Primitive Streak. Ooh, I kind of like that. That's pretty good. Primitive Streak. Yeah, Primitive Streak. That's good. It's not bad. Um, so do you feel like the, so we talked a lot about like the Zen of breath and things like that before we got on mic. Where do you feel like that aspect of it really came in? Um, was that more like once you started doing black box stuff or? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Cause so yes, I, when it really solidified was last year was last, this last summer. I mean, it was 2016 over the summer and I started, um, my, one of my best friends, my oldest friends, um, Josh Schmidt, um, he had, uh, you know, started getting into yoga. Um, mm. I think he got into it in 2015, 2014, probably, but he was getting really serious about it. He was going to, he started going to school to become a yoga instructor. Whoa. A yogi? A yogi. <laughs> and, um. I don't know. That's right. Right. Don't you call someone a yogi? I. Is that real? It should. They should. I'm pretty sure. Mm. <laughs> You're gonna get some angry emails. Probably no one listens to this. <laughs> Just kidding. People listen to it, but no one like tells me they listen to it. Right. Like so, you know, two months after an app comes out, I'll see somebody who was like, "Oh yeah, you talked about that on episode X," and I'm like, "You listen to that?" Like, so that's that's what it is. So people listen to it, but no one ever tells me they listen to it. So There's I won't no get angry. Kind of com- ongoing conversation, you know. Exactly. Rarely. If you want to send an angry tweet, that's at the token ginger. What's your Twitter handle? At real Nico Carter. At real Nico Carter. Yeah. Um, also, check out Nico's pin tweet right now. <laughs> it's already very popular, so you can just keep r- launching it into the stratosphere. <laughs> That'll that's gonna be what puts it over the edge. I'm no, gonna count not. the boost. I'm it's count not, the boost. There will be no MBSing boost. So people come on the on the show. If you see if you see a peak next Wednesday, <laughs> then you'll know. <laughs> um, okay. He was going to school bec- to become a yogi. Going Josh to, be- yes, Josh Schmidt going to school to become a yogi. And um, he, you know, was kind of talking to me about this, some of the stuff that he was studying and, you know, the the, uh, the idea of no self, right? This, Buddha, this Buddhistic idea, um, which maybe you talked about with Wynn. And um, the, the, there's kind of different, you know, um, ideas that float around in Buddhism and Zen Buddhism and, and uh, that, that are, you know, interesting, difficult for Western culture to kind of grapple yeah. with. Certainly not things that we believe, I don't think, you know. No self in terms of like, elaborate. You know, it, it's basically the idea that there is, that if you, you know, really break down who you are. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a really good example, you know. Um, if you have a table, you know, you have the table is a table. It's, you know, we can all kind of identify a table. Um, and this isn't metaphysical, but, you know, it's just just in case, you know, people are listening and are like, fuck this. You know, I, this, <laughs> it, it, it's not metaphysical. It's not like the table's not there. It, the table's there. We know the table's there, but the table itself is made up of like non-table parts. Oh, right? so he did talk about he this. He did talk about he this, He talked right? about it in, in regards to a cup. I remember. Beautiful. Yeah. So as soon as you said table, I was like, it's the cup. It's the cup it's thing. It's the cup yeah. thing. <laughs> it is. And so the same thing That's with people, so funny. Right? Like, That's you what know, I thought yeah. you were uh, drawing comparison to in terms of his uh, when I talked to him. And I was right. You were correct. So yeah. But like there is no table. It's actually just atoms and molecules. Yeah, and it, you know, you, you, atoms, molecules, and if you want to, I mean, if you want to break down a little bit lighter, it's like the wood, and then you know, the wood, if you, the wood, the trees, the metal comes from the the mines, you know, the the trees themselves, they grow with the sun and the water, so it's like all you know, it goes back and kind of balloons up, you know, and, and and branches out into this thing to where you know, the, if you take away any of these things, you take away the metal, the table falls apart, right? The table ah. ceases to exist. So it's the same thing with people, right? It's yeah, you know, we're made of our parents, uh-huh. and we're made of the food that we eat, you know. Mm-hmm. Take away any of those things. Take away any of those things. The parents go back, obviously, their parents, you know, all the food they ate and all the things that they experienced and all, you know, it really, um, and so at the end of the day, and, and earlier, you know, this, this is the old um, physics, you know, thing, but it's like, you know, we're made of stars, right? And mm. so it's kind of, if you go way star back, stuff, that's it. we're baby. star stuff, baby. Um, uh, so, 
So yeah, so that's you know that's that that's when I kind of started getting he he started exp- you know to talking about some of these ideas. I started reading about them and uh, read this amazing um, uh, writer um, named Tiknat Han, um, and he, his work was really really interesting to me. And I've always been really into f- uh, philosophy, and um, it, this was very different, a very different approach, and. Um, you know, very kind of humanistic and very um, holistic, and mm-hmm. um, and it was beautiful. And I, I so I started getting into. And he talks a lot about the breath. So before that, I had started getting fascinated by the breath because of Meisner, oh, and because yes. the Meisner work. When you go, when you're doing a certain you know work, you'll kind of go into a loose focus. And so you'll mm-hmm. kind of focus on a point, and then you'll just kind of uh, pay attention to your breath, and then try to um, uh, just passively be aware of as many things going on around you, inside of you, as you possibly can. And that to me was really crazy. And it really, it, it was like when I went into this soft focus, it was like my thoughts would stop. You know, it was like wow. all this anxiety, all these different things would kind oh, of cease, right? That sounds like a dream. It was a dream. And so I was doing it all the time. I was walking around soft focusing when I'm like, you know, eating at Subway and shit, That's you know? so funny. And so, you know, but, you know, it was interesting. Sh- it's yeah. all breath focused all breath and everything focused. just kind of existing around you. Yes. And, you know, and at the time, you know, that's that was the methodology that I was using was this kind of black box Meisner method. Now, mm-hmm. I found that to be, it actually broke down in, in certain stressful periods of time last year. Huh. It broke down. It didn't work. It was like, oh shit, I'm trying to go back to my breath and I can't focus. You know, oh I was like, my gosh. I, and, and Teek Nhat Hanh, what, what, what was really interesting is when I kind of coupled that, which is the same thing that really you could just learn from Teek Nhat Hanh. You don't have to go through Meisner to kind of work on this. Um, but yeah, I'm sure Meisner is more employing these uh, like activities and focal points as a, a means to acting, as opposed to like actually teaching these techniques. Yes, as a, and as opposed to like a life philosophy, it's not a life right, philosophy. Exactly, that's a better way to put it. Yeah. And um, and but when I coupled it with these, you know, Zen ideas, it for, it made a really, you know, comprehensive and and useful you know, very practical approach to of life philosophy and actually creative philosophy, to be completely honest. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of the the culmination is like, this is really how you are viewing a lot of things in life now. Yes. It's, a, it's a way that you kind of tackle things. Yes, it that's is. That's awesome. Yeah. So how, what does that look like in practicality? Um, well, you know, I mean... I have done so. I use it a lot in coaching. Okay. Now, um, so I think that you know, the, the, this is like a little bit. This is kind of divergent, but you know, I do think that the Meisner, I think, is kind of like, uh, like what improv, you know, tries to be. You know, what improv comedy tries to be. Kind <laughs> sure. Of. Uh, not that Meisner is funny necessarily, right? It's not necessarily funny, but it is. It's like everything. It's just honest. It's pure. Reaction. Yes, it's pure reaction, pure being in the moment, you know, and actually the best coach that I have ever had, and I'll say this on this, you know, (laughs) is Connor Woods. Really? Yes, the head of training over at Black Box. He's absolutely brilliant. The the guy is a genius, and he is, um, we actually, Casual Encounters, which was my first Herald team. That was a great team. Thank you. We were coached by him. Really? For about three months. No way. Yes. We, Did yes. you like request that he be your coach for a while? Or? Yeah. So we had Vince Portacci for a while and Vince Portacci quit. And so we, for a while, we were without a coach and, and I floated the idea. Why don't we, you know, I'd taken this class with Just Connor. I was like, up this other guy. What, what if we did this, right? That's so cool. Connor was interested. That we would went be and such an interesting diversion from the typical improv coaching, I'm sure. Uh, well, absolutely. Yeah. And I was, and I, again, Best improv coach I've ever had. Wow. Be- I, and I would probably rank, it would if I were to rank my coaches, uh-huh. it would be like him, Noah Gregoropoulos, even though I only got notes from Noah really for on the first day of 5Bs. Uh-huh. But they were, when I, the whole class, I was just like, my God, this dude sees fucking everything. Yeah, that's how Mick is too. Mick- I'm sh- I've never had Mick, but Mick's book is my favorite book. The first day you take Mick's class, you do like, a bunch of small scenes and you can tell it's also just this ability he's honed over years of like auditing auditions but he'll just go you do this too much 
you do a lot of this, you know, and just like go down the line to everyone. And I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure it's like similar to the kinds of things Noah does, but it's like everyone in the class is just like slack jawed because <laughs> they're like, no. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. It's startling when you kind of get these kind of perspectives. You yeah. Know? Jason Schatz, Colleen Doyle were both fantastic. Um, but Connor was, was is, the, is the best. And it's fa- it's crazy because he doesn't really do improv. Yeah, that's like doesn't even. <laughs> it's it's lunatic. It's just more about like the pure response and more about the acting, I would think, than the yeah the improvisation. Kind well, of, kind of definitely he, improvisation. He just wants to be interested, right? And so it's kind of like for him, it's like when people are 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 lackluster for instance if you're not being confident on stage uh-huh. he's like going to call you out about it you know what i mean he's going to oh that's so funny if, if you're if you're not like supporting each other yeah. like he's going to call it out immediately uh-huh. it's not something for him he he just wants to be interested uh-huh. so it's like if you're not moving fast enough you're not you know you're not doing making anything choices. you're not making choices that's death to him that's so interesting and so i you know and maybe it was really useful coming in after doing a lot of comedy work and it's like we already kind of know a lot of the, yes. the rules of this sure he couldn't like teach an intro class maybe right maybe yeah. he wouldn't be, it, it might be a little bit different it might be difficult you know but right. we were kind of ready for that kind of work sure. and I mean in a week or two he made our openings better than they've ever been that's before that's so cool it was amazing that's awesome it was amazing I feel like that should be a note to like any aspiring performers to just mix it up somehow you know yes. like if if you're only doing one thing and you're probably going to focus a lot on that one thing and if you open it up some other way um so did he <clears throat> what were are there like breath exercises that he uh would lead you through yeah so he would do a lot of team kind of exercises with us so we'd get in a circle and we'd find a point and we'd kind of you know start breathing and i do this with my when i coach or when i when i you know do any kind of teaching now mm-hmm. um uh, and we, and, you know, we do different things. Just pay attention to the th- pay attention to what's going on around you. Start focusing on the team, uh, people. You know, the people. Um, you know, start imitating. You know, imitating movements. You know, and so you kind of get this natural um, collective growth. You know, and, and these these uh, kind of motives that kind of progress and, and develop, and and it becomes this really um, you know organic. Uh, uh, um, uh, co- you know, collective mind thing, but mm-hmm. it's it's based it's based in practical a practical approach. It's not like you know we're not just kind of trying to get in touch with one another and we're just sure. focusing on the group mind. The group mind's there. Just can you see it? You know, it's like it's like this is what you do. Wow. You focus on your breath. It's more a you step by a step. Point. You you you're now you draw your attention to these you know to the people. If you fa- feel yourself being distracted, feel that tension. Uh, what is what what do you need to get back into the moment? Focus back on your breath. Often, um, it's this very practical approach. It's a methodology. That's As, so you know, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I love it. Um, what do people think of this on the teams that you coach? Like, they, how do they respond to it? It's interesting. So now we're gonna. I mean, so I've had mixed response to yeah. be honest yeah so for the I'm most sure part there's some people yeah. who are just like this isn't what improv is like <laughs> is, well yeah because it's hard because especially because at this point now as a coach i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty honest mm-hmm. so it's you know even though i'm nice mm-hmm. i you know i'm not because you know I, I don't i think it's one of the most it's not important right to a life yeah to 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 be great at something right now <laughs> right to be good at anything is not necessary to be happy and i don't think it's it, i don't and 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 but you know and i do think that you know but i so so therefore i think that my role as a teacher or a coach is to help as much as possible to get to to hone this skill right to hone the skill you know for whatever purpose so you can lessen suffering or whatever the fuck you want to do uh-huh. um <laughs> or be on mtv or whatever it is yeah you know right what I mean? that's amazing uh, that's such an amazing like uh you know what's the st- Mission statement. Mission statement. Yeah, that's what it is. And that's what, that's how I feel. You know, it's a, it, so it's unimportant, but it's so I'm honest. I've worked with different people now. One of my one of the teams I worked with um, was called something like Zump or, or no, that, I think I'm thinking of a different. I'm thinking that uh, Miles Straw team, but I, mm. it's it's something like that. Uh, and it's Jabuki Young White and Mike Donahue. 
And these are two guys that I had worked with before. So they are, we already had to kind of like a, a base understanding, you know, we had a base respect between us. They're so fucking funny. Rapport. J- Jabuki now is a, is a, like a, a Twitter celebrity. I was going to say, isn't that guy on Twitter? He's a Twitter celebrity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the last year he moved to New York and became a Twitter celebrity. Shut up. He's yeah. so fucking funny. I totally know his name from Twitter. And I will say Mike is hilarious. Mike Donnie, who's very hilarious. Somebody to watch out for, for sure. Um, incredible talent. Both of these guys. Um, Mike is just not quite a social media savvy. Gotcha. <laughs> hey, there are... I'm just like, no, like, I true. mean, that's a thing though. Some people, uh, some of the funniest people I know are shit at social media and it like it's, and then I feel like vice versa. I know plenty of people who are like huge on social media who I'm like in real life, this guy is fine. Like <laughs> I totally know what you mean. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so you know, but so when I was coaching them, this is when I solidified this kind of theoretical, this theoretical approach was mm-hmm. when coaching them. You know, for the first month or two, you know, it went pretty much as expected. I mean, it's it's it, it's a little bit halting. It's similar to being in like a, a, a an acting class. You're n- you don't feel like you're you're not going like most improv. You go into the you go into a coach. And this is why improv fucking sucks. By the way, <laughs> I you love go this. into a a, a, a rehearsal uh-huh. and you spend about half an hour doing some dumb fucking warm up. Mm-hmm. As if you do warm-ups generally. Like, do we do those kinds of... Do we do play fucking Big Booty before we, you know, do anything else? No. Intellectual or, you know, before you write? Do you, you know... <laughs> it, it's so stupid to me. Yeah. And then you go in and you do about an hour of whatever. And there's no real goal in mind. And then at the end of it, you know, if it's funny... The coach will be like, "That was fun. I really like that." And if it's not funny, they'll be like, I, "That was. You didn't seem like you were having fun up there." <laughs> and that's really how it goes. And you end up. That's you, a great assessment of most improv rehearsals. Yes. You leave and you're like, "This was fun." Right. You know, I had a good time, or whatever. But there isn't any. It's not like. There's no growth. There's no idea of that growth. It's not like a conservatory, like a band rehearsal or orchestra rehearsal or oh. working with a music teacher. You know, yeah. and that's where I come from is the conservatory world where it's like, you, it's very, it's very you fucking want serious. That. You want that application. You want that application. You and, and, and acting has the same application. Absolutely. Dance, same application. Why the fuck is it that improv doesn't have this application? What went wrong? What, where did we, what, what happens? That's um, so funny. I remember when, when Blair Beacon did the show she talked about just the idea of honesty and she was like, I'm going to be honest right now and say, I have never listened to a single improv note I've ever gotten like a specific, you know, and she was like, wait, let me be clear. I'm talking about like a coach sitting me down after a show and being like, Sharon in that transaction scene, you did this because it's pointless. And I was like, yeah, like, (laughs) you know, like there's no, fucking point to get singular notes about a moment in an improv scene and that's interesting so i think that is i i see i completely agree i i you know i i, I agree with you mm-hmm. as it is now as improv stands now and as improv is treated and that's now. What, yeah that's definitely where i'm coming from right which is i only say this to like bolster your point and that, that, that it, I, I completely agree with you if we were to approach it in a real fucking way mm-hmm then we would be able to see the benefits of having those discussions about that. But because there isn't any theory, yes, there's no real theory besides have fun or not have fun or, <laughs> or transaction or fucking status. These are fucking bare bones ideas that literally, I, it's like the first thing, if I were inventing improv right now, those are the, the first things that you could probably, sure. you would think Those matter. are like A through E at Second City, like the most basic building blocks. The kind of stuff that you would assume a team that, you know is performing regularly would be able to execute without issue because they're yeah. like you said they're not even thinking about it anymore because it's such a basic level of understanding yes and a lot of them are are not have not been tested by the way a lot like status status as an as is an idea that st- people still are taught at conservatory at second city conservatory i know this because i took the first two levels <laughs> um status <laughs> it's like what the fuck man Go in and play a servant, and you're going to play the boss. When the fuck does this actually happen? That that we have these kinds of this kind of like people 
have dignity. You know what I mean? It's not you're, you, there, there. There isn't this kind of relationship between people where they're these groveling. That's a really good point. You know, yeah. brown nosers, and then the person who's lofty and proud and doesn't have any respect at all for the person. You know, yeah. It's like that. That's a, that's not a very realistic dynamic. That's a really good point. Um. So I think that, and I think a lot of improv ideas are kind of like that. You know. Um. They're all like broad strokes. Broad strokes. They were maybe created by people who. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why it is. You know, I'm, it's something that I'm, st- I'm, I'm interested in why this has happened, but it's not certainly something I'm going to halt my life and like investigate. <laughs> but it is, it is kind of an interesting idea, right? Down uh-huh. the road to explore why this is. It, and, and if improv fails as an art form, it's because we don't take it seriously enough, and because it, we've allowed this bullshit to, to, to be the way that it's run. I mean, I have thoughts about why people don't take it seriously and it has a lot to do with um having to pay to do it but yeah um that's kind of kind of here kind of there um how do you feel like breath and these and the theory uh that you kind of have put together um between the teaching of Thich Nhat Hanh and uh, some of those Meisner techniques, how do you feel like that applies here? Like, what what's the bridge between the things? Like, how do you feel like that applies to, imp- applies to improv theory? Um, okay, so I think it applies, personally, I think it applies to everything. So okay. I think it applies to my whole creative process. Like, right now I'm working on a book, and totally applies there. That's amazing. The, the, I, and this is where I think it kind of comes to play, right? So um, one of my favorite authors, Ursula K. Le Guin, um, she kind of talks about, you know, the creative process and, you know, uh, I really like how she kind of thinks about it. I mean, you know, some of the things, some of my favorite authors, some of my favorite writers kind of think about things in this way where you're not, you're, you're kind of, you know, you're not, you're not like, you're not forcing things, right? You're mm-hmm. kind of, your brain is kind of working on all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're, you, you know, you, you're setting time to do this and you're working at it, but you're not straining at, at it in this kind of way you know it doesn't take you know you're not like oh, I need to get this down it's like you kind of let it flow through you because this creative process exists kind of within you and outside of you almost you know okay. what I mean so it's kind of like the focusing on your breath and kind of just allowing things to kind of pass through you uh, I find to be a really sound way to and, and allowing yourself to grow in that way also you know I mean one of the big things when you're a student is kind of learning how to be a student, right? I mean, it's you, you don't want to be stressing yourself out all the time. I mean, you don't want to be feeling like you're failing all the time. You know, you might not have the skill set right now. That's okay. It's okay not to have a skill set. You'll get the skill set. You know, it's just a matter of kind of being in the moment, folk, giving everything that you can to this exact moment, and moving on. I mean, to be honest, and 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 through time, through dedication, um, perseverance discipline that's how you you develop um skill sets you know and that certainly comes out of the music tradition out of jazz and i mean these guys they call it hitting the shed right when they call practicing but i mean they are they 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 practice so fucking much and when you're a musician you practice so fucking much i mean i was writing so fucking much and so it's like you know that's what it kind of takes to develop these skill sets so it's you know but when you're doing that you know it it, there there i really i do think that you kind of got to let yourself off the hook if you're showing up you're doing the work that's all you need to expect mm. out of yourself, right? That's awesome. So that's kind of where it comes to play for me. Is is just <laughs> I love the idea that it's kind of like fuck what you're thinking and just like let think like kind of let the world move through you. Yeah. Um do you feel like people have you seen people that you've worked with have like an epiphany as a result of that? Yeah, so you know what's great is that, yeah, so you know, to go back to like the idea, you know, we we're talking about Mike and Jabuki, right? Mm-hmm. They, so for the first couple months, it was kind of halting, you know, it was really, it's really fun work, right? I mean, because it's just fun. We got to kind of hang out and talk a lot. Yeah. And but it was difficult work. I mean, working it must on- it must have been cool too to kind of see the tables turn where like you were used to, you know, sitting in Robin's office and kind of feeling that with him and then you kind of, Oh, yeah, end up totally. becoming a little bit of a mentor for these other people, totally, in a way that you may not even think about. Totally, totally, and that kind. Of, and there's also like this kind of Zen approach to teaching, right? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of interesting. Just you know, so but these guys, I mean, they're they're brilliant, both of these guys. But it's you know, the first couple of months it was a little bit halting because they hadn't been introduced to Meisner work. Mm-hmm. They, had, yeah, I mean, you know, that's so like acting. Th- I mean, if you did. Uh, like survey of the improvisers in Chicago. <laughs> right. <laughs> what are we talking? Like five percent? Probably. Yeah. 
and and all those people are ones who like came through the theater world. Yes, uh, five to ten. Yeah, tops. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so you know it's a little difficult, but that 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 you know that that was necessary to kind of get to the point where where their performance or their their quote unquote acting mm-hmm. was really just them kind of being on stage right so even if yes even if they're in a whatever fucking weird situation they're kind of able to react honestly right because they're they're not going to this bogus cliche world of um of kitsch yes they're going to the they're they're kind of just experiencing what it is oh god that is monumental to me like in terms of where improv is especially running a show that students play out a lot and a lot of like newer teams Mm -hmm. and being on a team that has a lot of actors on it Uh, because I play with Steve Nelson and Jimmy Pennington and like Rosie Moan it's these people who are part of the reason it's a good team is because it's really good actors and I feel like I forget that newer people in improv aren't top like they can't quite make that connection. Yes. You like Mark has specifically talked to uh, Mark Logson has specifically talked to me about this before and just been like, sometimes I want to shake a student and just be like, just be a person. Like, yeah, you don't have to kitsch is a good word for it, especially at the annoyance. I feel like there's this, this thing, misunderstanding where people are like, Oh, if I'm this weird character, then it's really funny. But it's like, no, just be a weird person. Like inner so I I feel like that was a really good way to sum it up. Yeah, I, uh, Mark Logson, great performer. Mm. All those people you mentioned, great fantastic. It's a really fun team. Um Yeah, I mean it's and it's interesting because we talk about it. I mean, look, like, you know, Mike, for instance, would you know, this is and Mike, I I'm sure Mike wouldn't be upset to talk, you know, for me to bring this up, but there was a point when he was doing this, I think it was like an old man character. It was like mm-hmm. an old man character he would go into every time, right? And uh, it was very, very often. And so, and I, over the course of the weeks, we kind of, you know, in those first couple months, we I, I would point it out. You know, it's like, this is the same thing that you've done before. That's really you've funny. You've done this over and over again. Yeah. W- you know, this is not, it's not honest, right? You can play an old person, but it's this kind of, it's this caricature. Caricature. It's this image that we have in our, it's this cultural image. A lot of times the things that come out in improv are these cultural yes. images that we have, that we've heard, we've heard, we've seen this, we think we've seen it. We've seen uh, it in like movies and Valley films. Valley Girls and like, bro. Yes, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And so moving beyond that is absolutely paramount, right? So we were able to do that through the Meisner work. And then and then also there's this other dimension I will say about confidence on stage, which is something that every fucking improviser should be paying attention to. And it's a dan- dynamic that actors are aware of is uh, fearlessness, right? Mm. Actors are aware of, you know, uh, anxiety and fear and ways to kind of work through those things. Mm-hmm. In improv, we typically don't really talk about that. But people, and, and as a result, people look frightened on stage all the time yes and for an audience that's not comfortable in the least in the least Mm -hmm. you can't even even if it's funny it's really hard to enjoy yeah for sure that's really funny you know kind of we're able to talk about those dynamics um focus as a dynamic which kind of relates to that fear because it's that's really a very a huge distracting force do you feel Uh, like you um, combat those kinds of things with like breath and focus absolutely absolutely i mean you know it's like you know everybody gets scared everybody gets anxiety like i get i get anxiety all the fucking time Mm -hmm. um and it's just about kind of being able to be aware of it and, and and experience it and be okay with that and just be you know be able to be in the moment experiencing that and be aware also of the world outside of that and the fact that this is kind of something that's moving through you right now and you know that's it that's amazing I do you find yourself in shows like kind of re recentering and refocusing? Absolutely, absolutely, all the time. I mean, it's this isn't it's not the thing about this kind of practice is that it's not it's not it's not something that kind of you do and then you kind of you've learned it and then you move on. You do. Yeah. There are pra- it's, there are it's you, a constant application. It's a constant application, and you do kind of develop a, you know understandings and things that are you don't have to keep on retreading the same ground. You know, once you've kind of dealt with the idea of no self and you kind of have you, you you know you've grappled with it. You either you know maybe you buy it, maybe you don't. You know whatever it is, but you can kind of move on, right? You don't have to keep on fucking thinking about it, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual practice of, you know, it just kind of enriches the practice of, of breath, of focusing on the breath, enriches the practice of kind of being able to bring yourself back to the moment and experience the amazing world for what it is right now. Right. 
Um, and in shows, absolutely. I mean, if I feel, because because whenever a show is pretty much going badly, um, in my opinion, it really has to do with um, if it's not ego, uh, it, it's it's usually fear. In improv, it's usually fear. Oh yeah. It's and it's distract the distracting presence of fear. And so if I find myself on if if I'm in a bad show or something like that, I'm definitely gonna focus on my breath and just kind of bring myself back to whatever. God, the, I'm like the never going you know? to forget that we had this conversation now because I feel like. For me, it's just fucking auditions. Like, I can do pretty much whatever in terms of, like, performance, especially with these people that I was just talking about. Like, I'm so comfortable with them. You know, I get on stage with, like, Allison Banowski, and I'm like, this is going to be fucking fun. And I don't think... And as, like I said, we're doing this show for, like, other students, so the stakes couldn't be lower, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but then it's like, as soon as somebody asks you to do an improv audition, you're like, oh, God... I don't know what I'm doing. Like you're immediately thinking so much about what you're doing, even though when you actually perform, you don't think about it at all. Well, at least for me, I'm totally talking. No, speaking I, from I, a I, personal feel same, place. I feel the same way. And so I totally agree with you that any hangups are all fear related. All of them. And any show I have that's like off, it's it's because of like something like someone's there that I'm aware of right. or like I had something happen before that I'm still aware of and it's totally. all still it's like fear tied related. up in fear and 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 focus which is kind yeah. of like the you know same um they're very closely related right man um what's the like shorthand you know if you had to make someone like a like a pamphlet or something like that like leading them through a breath exercise or something, what would that look like? I would just direct them to The Miracle of Mindfulness, which is a book that Thich Nhat Hanh wrote. Okay. Um, and I would also encourage them. I mean, if, if and if, if also, you know, the breadth of improv is in the scope of improvisation is incredibly great. And, and, uh, I, I do think conceptually it is kind of important when you're studying, um, and, you know, Look, I'm I'm st I'm still studying. We're all st I mean, sure. I, that's how I kind of view it all. But but you know, when you're studying something, you, you want to kind of understand the context of it. Mm -hmm. And improv is something that's existed for thousands and thousands of years. It's the basis for creative thought. Mm -hmm. it, you know, before there was writing, there was just fucking talking. I mean, people would sit around and talk and and tell stories, and they would right. make stories up. Yeah. And there really is not a big difference between these. I mean, in fact, if 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 there's one thing I would say, also that's one of the other thing that's lacking from improv right now is storytelling, hmm. and the understanding of story. I mean, a lot of, there are people like Belinda Wolfson who have gone off and kind of you know become really fascinated in storytelling yes. from improvisation, right? Yeah, of course. There's the Moth, and and you know Peter Kim does a lot of cool mm -hmm. stuff with storytelling, and you know a lot of a lot. Mike of, Gifford, Mike Gifford, is someone who made that like leap for sure. Absolutely, Julia Weiss tells a lot of amazing yeah. stories. You know, absolutely. And you know these are people who are coming. I mean, look, story is kind of the fundamental thing of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. When you're making a fucking film, when you're writing a book, when you're when you're doing, you know, and you're talking to somebody, essentially it's all comes back to story, which is kind of, if you probe what story is, it kind of isn't, you know, I think of Mother Goose when I think story, mm -hmm. but stories is kind of uh, almost like this strange, um, uh, uh, mysterious mimetic device. Um, that bring, mimetic yeah it's like a it's like a replicatable kind of thing that that you know our brain that works with our brains really well and kind of structures the world mm. and um and so you know in improv we need to have we need to have story there has to be story um um yeah my favorite shows and what my team i keep referencing sight unseen uh has been doing a lot recently are like full a full story like starting with a few characters and ending with the same ones you know and just taking them through the whole thing it just fucking scratches the best itch in the world it does I just, yeah there's something and we get feedback about it all the time because i think some students and people who see the show don't see that much mm, yeah it's uh, getting rarer for some reason yeah and i've always been drawn to that in improv and like sometimes with my playground team squall it would be like Whoa, we we told like a whole story, and I and I would be like, yeah, like, isn't that what we all want to do? Like, I, so it's interesting to me that there's even a question to it. But there's different types of improv. 
Yeah, but I mean, this is again. Look, if you if you're looking at improv, improv, and you're like, this art form is succeeding, mm-hmm. you are lying to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It's if you're looking at it and seeing it as not as something that's not dying slowly, then you are incorrect. That's really really funny. <laughs> But I agree with you. So so it's important for us to recognize that this thing is dying mm-hmm. and that it will just die because, you know, it, it it doesn't have the history behind it to be able to stand up against other more present living art forms that are taking the fucking hint from things. I mean, look, sure. it, things develop. You mm-hmm. have to change. You have yeah. to kind of know what you – I mean, look, the fact that this city hasn't really – I mean, you know, I'm not saying on the whole. I think a lot of the best work done in the city – you know, is naturally kind of works with game, right? Yeah. But game is this thing that UCB, that the guys at UCB came up with. Right. This is something that's a really useful theoretical concept. Sure. Absolutely. We got to develop. We got to work. You know, we got, okay. and, and we, you know, that's what I think. Um, What's your book about? Um, it is about a black boy who pretends to be white online and he basically gets kind of co opted into this, you know, into this kind of white supremacist movement. Whoa. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's a little And how do, how does this influence that? Well, I guess, okay, so before we le- launch into this, obviously I want to keep talking about it. I'm sorry to interrupt your thought process, no. but we're, we are wrapping up here, yeah, so yeah. I want to do so properly. Is there anything that you would feel remiss to not mention in this conversation? Like, is there anything that when you when you think about, like, breath, and how it applies to all these things creatively or like Zen or any of the, the Thich Nhat Hanh, um, no self or Meisner theory. Is there anything that we haven't covered that we, I mean, I know we could keep talking about this, but if there's anything that's like pressing, please feel free to share that. I don't think so. I just want to make sure that I, the only thing I would say is just that I really, really do love improv. And even though I think it's dying and, and I also hate most of it, um, I I view comedic improv as being in the same line of uh, tradition as these as as improvisation as it's related to you know All human other... civilization and you know yeah so I I think it's really great I think it's a beautiful beautiful thing and I think it's 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 kind of you know it's something that we could make great mm-hmm. we you know ma- we can make improv great again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that's what I think, you know. I th- Maiga. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. No, I've said everything else that I want okay. to say. Okay. Yeah. So the last question I'll ask, mm-hmm. and this we can get back to um, your book if you want to talk about it a little more um, as we close. How do you feel like all of these things have influenced you creatively and your life in general? Your your focus on breath, this intrigue, and new like life philosophy essentially yeah how is it filtering into your life creatively you know it's just kind of allowed me to to be a lot less neurotic Mm. you know about things i mean look at the end of the day i just know that it's not going to make me happy at this (laughs) you know for me to have a successful show for people to like me doesn't make me happy fundamentally you know um for you know (laughs) right it's important (laughs) i crossed myself (laughs) Uh, Bill Bullock was on the show about a month ago um, as and talked to me a lot about stand-up, and uh, he said the exact same thing. He was like, ultimate, and I think it was right at the end of the show, too. He was like, ultimately, if I have a good stand-up sh- set, it's still not going to make me happy. So I feel like that's like an echoing thing for artists right now but go on please and, and so the question is you know what does make me happy you know and it's it, it's really just kind of being present it's it's breathing it's you know nature it's my you know my friends you know um not that they make me happy but i enjoy you know there's a lot of things you to enjoy so it's kind of important to have that separation i think you know and um and uh you know it kind of allows me it's it's really allowed me to just fundamentally kind of change well, it's it's allowed me to pursue the things that really do make me happy. The other things that make me happy are like are legitimately writing and reading and playing piano. Amazing. I, I'm sure my neighbor fucking hates me sometimes, but because I, you're just playing so sometimes. Much. But uh, but you know what? I, I think actually that we have a good relationship. And, good. And if she is listening, <laughs> then you know she knows that I stop when she pounds on the floor. Yeah. She knows I do. That's I what do. I was gonna say. I feel like there just has to be an understanding of like if this needs to stop then 
it should. You know what I mean? Yes. Like you can't just be domineering. No. Um, absolutely not. So how does so you mentioned that it's kind of given you it's kind of bolstered these other creative things that you love. How does it help you write? How does it how is it influencing this process of have you ever written a book before? No, I haven't. This is the longest thing that I've I've written for sure. Um <sighs> You know, I think I think it just relates back. I mean, it's it, it's it it's not about, you know, it's not going to make me happy to finish the book. <laughs> Let me put it to you that way, right? Sure, yeah. Like it's it's all process. So if I don't enjoy the process of writing the book, I shouldn't be fucking writing the book. It's not going to make me happy for the book to be successful. It's not going to make me happy to sell it. You know, these things are not going to actually make me happy. So the important thing is that in the process itself, that I am enjoying the process and being able to be present, right? Um, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, I can approach it with nervous. Sometimes I'll be nervous about, you know, a, a scene that I'm writing or something like that. You know, it's, that's fine. You can approach with anything. Like Stephen King says, as long as you're coming, as long as you're not coming at it with nothing. Ha. Right. So it's, it's kind of, I feel like that goes back to improv too. It's it like what you're talking about, um, where Connor Woods was concerned. Yes. Just fucking, ma- making a choice. Please be interesting. Right. Please do something. Please do something. And if you do something and you do it as, you know, and you focus on that, that's going to be interesting. You are enough. Yeah. You don't have to oh. try. Yes. You know, you don't have to try yes. desperately. God, yes. Yes. There's some people that I just want to shake in life where this is concerned and just say like, we like you. You don't have to try so hard. Like, just be. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is why, you know, again, when we were talking earlier, I was like, kind of relates to a lot of different things, right? It's, it's so like, true. It's all over the place. It really is. Yeah. Because, there, yeah, there's just some times where you just want to go like, Chill out, man. Chill out, man. We're all good. Yeah. So I mean, that's how it really, you know, as far as writing this, the the, the book, that's how, that's kind of how it relates. You know, it's just and it's 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 a part of my. It's a I just love it. I love just being. You know, I say I get my I make my tea. I get up in the morning. I make some tea. I have a, a piece of bread with um, jelly, and then I you know I write for a few hours. And that's amazing. It's 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 nice. You know, good for you, man. Thanks. This has been so fun. It's been so fun. I, I loved you, it. I love you. Yeah, I mean, you're such a. You've been. So, I, I've. I've always just been really struck by how positive and just delightful you are, and how much love you you give to this community and to Chicago and to anybody who meets you. So I mean, you know, I, I, for what it's worth, I mean, I think you, it's just it's just always a pleasure to be around you. Um, that's really overwhelmingly sweet. Thank you so much for saying it. I feel the same way about always loving that we've had a relationship in this community and i remember back in your plan b stanley <laughs> days reagan 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 and plan b stanley for life such a good team man such, you guys you guys you guys such a good team. <laughs> there was a there was a very mutual admiration society i think for the life of both of those teams. i think so too and it definitely um happens on a personal level right here as we're seeing it too thank you so much i love you and i mean that yeah i love you too Thanks for having me on the show. Of course. Thank you so much for doing it. Baby, how you feeling? This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash to donate today and go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am GrabBot23548X.